play and call it work. Hey everybody, Matthew here from AnyWareGaming.com. Welcome to another sit and talk. Probably the last one of this year. Yeah, because next Thursday is Boxing Day. So, the last sit and talk of this year. I'm just going to say it. I don't have to say probably. I can decide. The last sit and talk of this year. Now, um, our audio setups change a little bit, so if I sound quiet or too loud, just let Colin know in the chat and he will fix that. Otherwise, if you're new to the sit and talk, then this is the, the show where you just ask us whatever you want and we'll talk and just have some fun for an hour. And um, that's really all there is to it. And if you're watching this live, you can use the, I do sound quiet. Oh no, somebody says I sound fine, others say I sound quiet. If you're watching live, you can do exclamation mark ask and then space and then leave a question. If you are watching this after the fact, then you can go on to our site and leave questions there for the next person, which will be Josh normally is in the rotation next after me. And yeah, yeah, that's it. I am speaking of which I should pull up those. Right, mini war gaming. Gotta get those old questions. Come on, come on, back. Uh, sit and talk, sit and talk, sit and talk all day. Oh, what fun it is to talk while sitting down all day. Hey, uh, trivia question. Who here knows in the chat the origin of the name of the show, Sit and Talk? I think it's hilarious because I've actually seen other people make their own sit and talk shows and they call it sit and talk. And I think I'm like, that's, that's awesome. It's very flattering that they would call it that. But, and I know I invented it because of the way that it came about. So if you think you know, I want you to put that in the chat. What's wrong? Am I small? Oh, I look small, sorry. Is that better? Do I look bigger now? Sorry, I wasn't flexing. I'm going, to, I'm going to quickly jump in the chat, see if anybody knows. I know I don't know the origin, says Daka Samurp. Doka Samurp. Daka, Daka Smurt. Chika says, I want to know the origin. I wonder if it will be in the old vid DVD set. Uh, Captain Obvious, Walk and Talk. Close, Captain Obvious. Close. Walk and Talk was actually the second name of this show. It had an original name before that. And then it became Walk and Talk. And then it became Sit and Talk. And see, this is why it's hilarious that anybody else would call their show Sit and Talk, because it's an awful name, unless it actually has the sequence that makes it make sense. So it was Walk and Talk, and then I'm like, well, now I'm sitting, I'm not walking and talking, so it became Sit and Talk, and that was supposed to be a joke, and then it just became the name. And I think when we had the vault version, it was Sit and Vault, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever, because how do you sit down? Catfish, isn't it just how you name everything, just how Mini Wargaming was named? <laughs> yes and no. Um, Captain Obvious, so it just got lazier, so original is run and talk? No, but that's close. You have to rhyme. The original rhymed, because walk and talk rhymes, right? That's why it was clever, walk and talk. So and then it became sit and talk, which was the, the last iteration of the laziness of it. So any guesses before I, I give up the answer? Oh, and Malicious, thank you so much for the thousand bits. Uh, the block, bulk and talk, stock and talk, chuck and talk, running good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
It's talk and talk, yeah. It was just a video of me like walking up to people's houses and looking inside. I was like, oh, I like their furniture. And then moving on to the next one. Stand and scream. Uh, nope, nope. It was Jog and Vlog. Jog and Vlog was a show that I started. Ah, oh, that would be nine years ago, eight or nine years ago, because I was living at the apartment next to my parents' house. Because I was out in the country, I would do it. And, I, and it's, there were certain places where I'd get attacked by... Um, uh, flies. What, what do they call those? Not horse. Not horse flies. Though the really annoying little ones. Deer flies. Uh, the jogging vlogging. Yeah, the jogging vlog. Um, and so yeah, I started off because I was. It was supposed to. We put it on a separate channel. It wasn't even meant to be a mini wargaming thing so much. It was like, yeah, we'll talk about miniature wargaming, but we'll talk about whatever. We got into some personal subjects, very personal subjects, back and forth with people, and it was just meant to be that way. And, uh, but then I didn't want to jog anymore, so I started walking instead, and so it became walk and talk. Um, and then I didn't want to do that anymore either, so I was like, but I like the show that we're doing, so we made it the sit and talk. Uh, how long, did, how long, I don't remember how long the jog and vlog lasted, but it was for a little while. But anyway, so, the, uh, obligatory Zergalergaderg opening here. I'll read some of this. I don't know if I'll read all of it. I just want because I want to get to the other stuff too. <laughs> Good morning, Terra. Welcome all and sundry from every one of the mortal realms and from all the corners of the Imperium to the best question and answer show the side of the all points. We took a small hiatus due to dealing with a rat hoof rat infestation. In other words, I went deer hunting. And for the celebration of thanks to the Emperor, but we're back now and better than ever. We are joined this week by the Master of Ceremonies, that bespeckled brainiac of bat reps. Put your hands, claws, and paws together for Mini Wargaming's very own Matthew Dance Lotovich. The episode, this episode of Good Morning Terror is brought to you by the good folks over at Grotslami. Oi, you stinking gits, listen up. You're, I'm sorry, I'm not going to read all of that. There's just so much. <laughs> go have some, some Grotslami. Um, so, question from Zergalergaderg. With the new Psychic Awakening books being previewed and the illusion that there will be new and updated models with each one coming out, is there a model on the line to be updated or perhaps a new type of unit that you'd like to see? Well, I just got the Blood of Ball book, right, which was Blood Angels and Tyranids. I loved the updates to the Tyranids. I can't say much about the Blood Angel ones because I didn't really look closely at them. Dave did. Uh, but I love the Tyranid updates. I've, I've played a few games with them. And I, just, I love the High Fleet adaptations that let me build my own High Fleet. I love the adaptive physiology, which lets me not have to take a Warlord trait, but instead buff a unit. I love the new Bio Artifacts. I love the new Stratagems. They actually make certain units even more viable. I haven't tried out the new Psychic Powers because I've always built my own High Fleet and those new Psychic Powers are for specific High Fleets. So, but the Tyranids didn't get a new model. It was focused more on the Blood Angels, which is hilarious because the Tyranid update was quite, I think it's quite big for them. It's, it seems small because it's just a few things sprinkled here, but it's just combining with what they can already do. That makes them really interesting. So I can't think of any new models I care to get. I'm just, there's, there's, they come out with so many new models all the time. They don't really have time to sit back and think, man, I wish that they came out with this. It just doesn't happen very often with me. I'm more reactive. It's like, oh, they came with this. Cool. Um, I'm excited about the prospect of change with Mini Wargaming moving forward, and I think the narrative campaigns have really been the most outstanding things you guys do. Recently, I rewatched the Augustine's Wreckage campaign and found that it was ridiculously enjoyable. Is there a possibility of doing another campaign like that where all the content producers are in on it? You betcha. Absolutely. We, uh, we are totally revamping. A 110% revamping the way we're doing videos. Just ask Colin. He's going kind of crazy right now. Oh, well, he's always going crazy, but especially 
especially going crazy right now. We are working on hiring another video editor just because that's how much more production we're going to need is that we need to double up on it. And um, there's nothing's going to remain untouched. The way we do our battle reports is changing drastically. The way we're doing our narrative campaigns is going to change drastically. The way we put out our shows is going to change drastically. I do have to say, just to warn you, there's going to be less content being put out on a regular basis. There won't be as many videos being put out because we're going to be putting more time into each of them. I'm not going to go through the new schedule yet because we're still working on it. We're, we're, we actually filmed our first few new battle reports this week with the new um, style. Colin is working on editing the first ones. We can get it posted on YouTube right away so we can get your feedback. So hopefully that'll be up by tomorrow, I'm hoping. You think so, Colin? By tomorrow? I think so, yeah. Yeah, you'll probably have it mostly done by the end of the day, mm -hmm. rendered and uploaded tomorrow. It won't replace tomorrow's content either. That'll be an addition, so we'll get to see your feedback. So watch out for that, please. Um, but yeah, the, the thing is it'll be focusing a lot more on the content producers. So the campaigns will definitely open up to be able to do campaigns with everybody. Just because of the way everything is changing, that is going to be more likely. Finally, as it's the season, let's get a little bit festive. Santa's gone on strike and taken his reindeer with him. It's up to you to come up with using all the characters and models from Games Workshop to replace Santa and his eight reindeer. One of these games, eh? Zergalurgaderg? The fate of Christmas is now in your hands. Well, that's almost too easy, though. Like, Santa is just... Um, oh, what's that Space Wolf model on the sleigh? Logan Grimnar, right. The reindeer! Well, those can be dire wolves, or the, sorry, thunder wolves that are pulling it. They'll do a pretty good job. They might not be able to fly, but they can go pretty darn fast. So, sorry. I don't have much of an imagination for that kind of thing, so I'm not going to go through all eight of the reindeer and then Rudolph. So, thank you for your comments. Miso Miso, Matt, got quite emotional when you released the help vid. Hope it all works out and is getting better. Oh, thank you. And... We've had a tremendously positive response. Of course, there's always the, the naysayers, but those exist regardless of what's going on with the business. It's welcome to the internet. As soon as people get anonymity behind a keyboard, it tends to bring out some nasty stuff in people. But overall, we had a lot more people sign up to the vault. We had a lot of people go onto our store and buy up all of our dice. Now it's taking forever to restock them. I'm sorry. And we're getting new stuff in there as well. And uh, then we released the hard drive with the Mini Wargaming Legends, and we had a lot of people buy that. So I can't say, oh, we're out of it, because, you know, you're never out of it. You're always, until we stockpile tons and tons of money, which is not going to happen for a long time, there's always, you know, you got to be careful. you got to manage your expenses. you got to try to improve. And really, we're not going to be able to say how everything's going until about a month from now when we start really releasing all of this new content and seeing... Does it make a difference? Are we going to have more people watching, more people sign up to the vault because of all the extra effort we're putting into the production quality of it? So, so rather than fun questions like, how about you institute a no facial hair policy at Mini Wargaming? It's all business, I'm afraid. Here we go. Do you think that although Twitch and the bunker were not financial issues, they may have taken the mental focus away from the battle reports and narratives? Twitch, no. The bunker, yes. Um, they weren't financial issues. It's funny because Twitch... It is a weird perception about how much effort we put into Twitch, and it's not much. Let's just put it that way. There was a time where I thought maybe we could start to focus on this more, and we tried things like the RPG show in particular, but we never really tried real battle reports, and we never had the manpower to be able to do it. We were always too busy. Will we try it in the future? Maybe. I can't see that we wouldn't, but it's definitely not on our minds right now. Right now, we're going to continue doing some fun live shows for people watching, but... Um, yeah, all those extra shows. Like, I want to do another RPG show, for example, but if I did, I wouldn't do it live. 
And see, by not doing it live, oops, there's no armrest on this chair. I almost fell off of it by leaning. By not doing it live, we can film a lot more efficiently. We can get a couple episodes done in a day rather than one. We can just put it all, we can just film it all in a week and get it done and out of the way rather than having it be an ongoing time suck. Um, but definitely, yeah, yeah, moving to the bunker, that, that slowed us down for a little bit there. Um, did they take the mental focus away from battle reports and narratives? Yeah, always. The, the thing is, in a company, you're constantly looking for ways to expand and add new revenue sources to your business. You have to. Otherwise, you just either don't grow or eventually shrink. And so that's constantly doing that. But we're, we're definitely, right now, our focus is totally on our content. Um, we're still having to put resources into running events, of course. We want to make that work. Um, we want that to grow. We, I think that can become a good part of our business. And so there's, there are resources being put into that as well. And I think that's important that we, we're always experimenting with new things as well. So how are you going to increase the quality of the bat reps without increasing the cost or lowering the quantity? Well, we aren't. <laughs> it's a good question. How do you increase quality without increasing the cost or lowering the quantity? That is literally impossible. You can't. That's why we've been filming them the way we have been for years is because we've, that, that's our maximum quality at the quantity we've been putting out. So we are going to both increase costs and lower the quantity of videos that are going to go out because we have to. And I think that will see a big difference in our viewership by doing so. I hope at least that's the idea. And we're going to be um, putting more time into the production of each battle report. The filming of the battle report doesn't take that much longer, actually, but the post-production is definitely going up. Whereas Colin could probably edit six to eight battle reports in a day, it's going to probably become one to two once we're really into the process per day. So that right there increases the cost big time. Where we would film a lot with guests, we're going to be filming less with guests and more with each other. That increases production costs where we would try to try to film two in a day. We'll probably not try to film two in a day, giving us more time to put effort into the list building and taking our time to film things really well. So yeah, costs are going up big time. So you are going to see less video content going out. That's just what we have to do. Well, that's our choice. Do we continue doing it the way we are? Or do we try to improve it? Because um, what's the saying? Uh, craziness isn't, it's something like cra being crazy is doing the same, or I don't know, the definition of crazy is doing the same thing and expecting different results. I think that's something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Something like that. Doing the same thing but expecting different results. That's, yeah, that's the, yeah, sure. The insanity is uh, doing the same thing and expecting different results. So we've seen the results that we're getting uh, for the first Half of our, uh, for, the, for years of our business, what we were doing was sufficient to grow. Uh, we were unique in many ways. And now that there's more people doing the same thing, some of them have just, just do the same thing as us. They've, they've learned from the, the, what we do. Some of them have improved it uh, or doing it a different way. There's, 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 you know, it's all subjective whether things are improved or not. I definitely think some do certain things better and, uh, and we're learning from that. It's kind of nice to have other companies to look at and see what they're doing and be like, I like that, I like that, I like that and then try to incorporate those elements into our own battle report. So you're going to see a very drastically different battle report. But yeah, it's going to cost more and lower the quantity. And so you're thinking, well, if it's going to cost more, then how's that going to help you? Well, the idea is that we're hoping that this brings more attention back and gets us more viewers and more vault signups. And if it doesn't, well, 
then we're gonna have to figure out something else. I always thought you were right in quantity being more important than quality, but I've noticed there isn't a public battle report or content every day now. Um, we haven't really reduced the amount of content we're putting out. Maybe. Yeah, I think I think yesterday finally marked when our last campaign ended, and we don't have another campaign yet. So I know over the next few weeks you're going to see definitely less content before we even start publishing our new shows, and during the holidays we're going to really prune it back so that because we're basically we have a backlog of content that we're just going to put out while we film the new stuff. So so yeah, so it hasn't really changed yet. Shouldn't you still do some big marquee battle reports to try to reach the public? You could test a new style battle report on YouTube to see public reaction, which we're going to do. I remember the 10,000 point Tiernover Chaos Battle Report was great, and that didn't have any special editing, just lots of fun. And also, yeah, it got views, but so what? Like, that, that's the big question, is so what? Uh, getting views is fine, but that one video, it's not like it made all the difference last or this past year on our YouTube channel. It got a lot of views, but when you put it next to the millions and millions and millions of views that we've had over the past year, it's just another small little blip. So it's not enough to have a video every once in a while that really draws people's attention. You have to consistently put out that quality. And since our quality has been, we, I, we have a consistent quality to the production style of our battle report, but we have an up and down quality based on who's, being, who's playing, whether, because um, you know, just with the different guests that come in and just the different qualities of the armies as well. So we're trying to get more control over that and on top of that really change up the way that we produce it too. So. So yeah, but none, 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 nothing's for sure. I can't say for sure what's going to be the right call, but we think this is the right call, which is why we're trying it. Uh, is it now Mini Wargames policy to always get out battle reports and reviews for new codexes and army books the day they're previewed? That is, our policy is always to try to get out reviews and battle reports for new codexes and army books. Um, there are certain factors that can limit our ability to do that, which I'm not going to go into. But it's always our policy to try. And I should say specifically to new 40k and Age of Sigmar stuff. Not when there's new Shades by or Kill Team. Like we can't cover everything because we don't cover everything. Um, will you please, 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 please just try a more stable schedule based on game system rather than content creator? Yes, that is what we're going to do. The beat map bat reps, banter bat reps, beat of the vetoes, gaming at the mountain, just a look at the dice shows will disappear. And it will become no longer about the content creator, but about the show. Okay, this is a meat and potatoes one for me. Could you maybe change video thumbnails to prioritize the gaming system? Yeah, we're going to be changing the thumbnails to everything. Honestly, I can't think of anything that's going to be left untouched. Except maybe like this sit and talk. <laughs> I think we'll continue to do sit and talks like this. Um, but everything else is, we're talking total revamp in, in January, like mid-January. Uh, wow, you got a lot of questions. All right, I'll answer one more, then I'm going to move on to somebody else. Finally, you consistently say that narrative campaigns are your biggest boon, but are, although you hired an er a writer, I've noticed that there's always seemed a reluctance from you, Matt, to learn more about the craft of storytelling, script structures, TV story arcs, etc. Why not have a look at some of this stuff? I mean, really have a deep look at how to improve storytelling, either by reading script books or taking an evening class. Not that you're bad, it's just that given it's your main thing, it could be worth looking into. You're absolutely right. And like I said, nothing is going to remain untouched. So all good thoughts. And you might even be right where we think that you're wrong. There's no way of telling until we try. So look forward to that. Okay, let's jump on to the um, live and answer some questions there. 
uh, Phantom Baz 77. When is the next Age of Sigmar narrative? We don't have a plan for one yet. Uh, basically, the next narrative campaigns that are coming out, there is a Path to Glory, there is a Resident Evil Warhammer 40k one. I am planning a, another 40k one. I'm wanting to do a Necromunda one. We're not going to do Age of Sigmar narrative campaigns as often as we did before, uh, mainly because we don't have time to put all the effort into that many campaigns, and the Age of Sigmar ones were always way less popular than the 40k ones, and so you're going to still see more 40k. So I don't have a specific schedule for the next Age of Sigmar one. So sorry I don't have a nicer answer than that. Sea Worm, are there any more Necromunda campaigns planned for next year? Yeah, yeah, I really want to do one. I've already been working on one. Also, if so, will you include a house-ruled spire, pit slave, ratskin, or redemptionist? A house-ruled? I'm not sure what you mean by that. What, what house rules do I have to put in? I don't... I'm not up, uh, um, caught up on all the Necromunda meta, so is there something about them that need to be house-ruled? Or is it that you're talking about ones that don't have rules yet? And if you're talking about ones that don't have rules yet, then probably not. There's, there's so many things already there. Like, with the Necromunda that I played a couple of years ago when it first came out is totally different than what it is now. Now it's, oh, I'm, so, I'm excited to try it out. Catfish, say you have unlimited resources. What new shows would you have to be released in 2020? Um, it's, we're going to do them. It's just more the rate that they're released. See, the, one of the things that's going to change... We're going to have regular battle report days. The plan right now is Monday to be Warhammer 40k battle reports and Tuesday to be Age of Sigmar battle reports. We're hoping Wednesday will be other games so that it won't be consistent what game will be played there. It'll just be whatever other games we are playing, whether they're games, workshop games, or other otherwise. It'll just kind of, that'll be our experimental area. And then, other than that, though, you're going to see everything else in seasons. And so, if uh, like campaigns, how campaigns kind of have a beginning and an end. Even like the Iron Brush, you're going to see that as a regular show, but it's going to come out for a little while, and then it's going to stop for a little while, and then it'll come back for another season, and shows will be like that. And so if I have an idea for 10 shows, I can do all 10 shows. It's just not all at once, because as some of these shows finish their season, then we can start some other shows. And then we find out which ones are popular, and guess what? They get the next season. It's kind of like TV. It's kind of like networks. How they'll put out a season one of a show, and then they'll decide do they want a season two or, or further on. So sometimes they'll commit early on to multiple seasons, but that's a bigger risk, of course. Starmax, hello, Matt. Are you enjoying your new NID rules? I already talked about that. Also, you enjoying the Auric Worklands errata and FAQ that came out? You know, I haven't taken a look at that yet, the new uh, December errata and FAQ. So I'm not sure, was there some big change that makes them even better or worse? But yeah. Captain Obvious. Matt, I always forget each year. Will there be new videos uploaded over Christmas or New Year period, or is that going to be a time for catching up? We are going to put up videos. Um, Steve and Vito actually filmed a holiday special as well, so you'll get to see that sometime in the next week. And we are going to put up battle reports over the next couple weeks. There's just going to be less of them. Uh, there's less people viewing during the Christmas holidays anyway, so that gives us a chance to, to catch up. Country Gaming, any chance of a pre-show of list building? No, but we are definitely changing up how we're showing the lists. So there'll be some really cool... You're, I, I think you're going to like it. But no, there's not going to be a pre-game that's like half an hour long of how we built the list and stuff. There might be specific shows that go through how to come up with the list and all that, but in our typical battle report, we definitely will... I think you'll like the new style of how we're going to show off the armies. Mini Wargaming for Life. So if less videos will be released, are all videos only going to be in the vault? Well, of course not. There's going to be less videos released on YouTube and less videos released to the vault. 
but we're hoping that the fact that they're higher quality are going to make people happier than what they had before. And so I know, I know there are going to be people who are like, well, screw that. I'm not going to keep my vault membership because if you're not going to give me as much content as you used to give me, it's not worth it. And they're not going to see the value in having better videos rather than more videos. And well, we're hoping that the number of people we lose because of that is far, far less than the number of people that will gain. Right? Any change to a business, you're going to lose certain customers. And if you gain more than you lose, well, then you've won. And that's what we're needing to do. Circle Erganderg, when is your 10-step plan book coming out? That game with Vito is the, one of the best things from you guys this year. Oh. <laughs> I remember now. Was there a highlight for that? Maybe it didn't. Yeah, so basically, for anybody else wondering what the heck we're talking about, there was a battle report I'd filmed with Vito where I was going to lose. I think it was, it was an Age of Sigmar one. And, yeah, no, it's not up yet. The highlight's not out. Basically, in the game, I was about to lose, and I said, okay, here's my Hail Mary. But it was like a frickin' 10-step Hail Mary. And there were some hard steps along the way. And so I spent like five, ten minutes explaining everything I was going to do. And then it worked, which is hilarious because the other usual end of that story is that I would spend five or ten minutes explaining the ten, ten steps. The first step is supposed to be easy, and that's the one I fail. <laughs> so, so, yeah. It's proprietary information anyways. All right. If you want to ask more questions. All right. Go back to the ones that were posted on our site. And then if you are watching live, you're welcome to answer, ask more questions by putting exclamation mark ask and then a question. Danish Viking Alex, I really enjoyed watching the weekly open vault, but the show has not been there in the past weeks. Has the show been canceled? No. We are going to be bringing it back to what it used to be, which is for vault members only. And that'll start up again sometime in the new year. Um, it's just been a matter of time and also the transition as well. So, yeah. And also, I've been putting up, um, uh, you know, the videos I was putting up were talking about behind-the-scenes stuff, too. And so we thought it was a little redundant to be like, what are we doing today? More stuff to talk about that I just talked about in this video. So, yeah, the Open Vault used to be a Vault-only show, which is why it was called Open Vault. And then what we did for a little while is we put it out for free and had a Vault component, but then we ran out of time and we're no longer going to make the Vault component, so it just became a free show. But that was always meant to be for Vault members. So it's going to get transitioned back into that. Has the show been uh, the battle report you did with you and Dave, where you commented the game? Was that format a tryout, or is the plan implemented to all battle reports? Um, yes, and no. Uh, we were that's kind of like what the new battle report is going to be, but it's already drastically changed since that one. So that was our first try at changing it with a new new style. But we got besides the audio issues, which our mixer for some reason was inverting the audio, and we won't go into all that, but it was really weird. But um, there was a lot of feedback, good feedback, on the flow of the game. And then we, I filmed again the next day after we got that. And then we filmed again. And then we filmed again. And honestly, every single time we filmed for the first four or five, it drastically changed. And we even threw out one of the battle reports that we filmed because of how much it changed. And so, so we're honing it a lot. And it's going to take a lot of time because we want, it to, we want to perfect this. So even the battle report that we're going to put out tomorrow is going to look very different from the ones that we're going to be putting out in a month because we're going to learn from your feedback what you like and what you don't like. 
So already major changes to it. But that's starting to show some of the elements we're going to be incorporating. I wish you, your family, and all of Mini Wargaming a Merry Christmas and a New Year. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you and your family too. And a Happy New Year. Buzuki. Hi, Matt. When you break the hobby down into its three core parts, playing, collecting, and painting, you have mentioned that painting is your least favorite aspect of the hobby. That is correct. My question to you is, has Games Workshop ever released a model recently that had any chance of getting you into painting it? On my part, I always painted my models so that I don't have a gray tide when playing with friends, but when Games Workshop released Archeon or Drogar, on Drogar for Age of Sigmar, and the new genes to the cult models, I found a new passion for the painting part of the hobby. Um, what? I'm back. It's Colin's fault. So, so, so yes and no. Um, I have recently had an itch to try out painting again. What was it that made me want to do it? I think it was a D&D models, actually. I just don't want to paint an army, but seeing like little models, like, and also I think it's also my son is turning 10 soon and I want to start doing the hobby more with him. And he actually enjoys sitting down and paint and so does my daughter, actually my eight-year-old daughter. She's super crafty. She just watches YouTube videos and makes crafts all the time and I love it. I think she'll actually, she might actually get into the painting aspect of the hobby more than my son will. He loves the gaming aspect of it. But he, he likes painting, but I, I, she can actually sit down and spend hours on crafting whereas he has a harder time with that. But is there a model in particular Games Workshop or anybody else released that really wanted me to do that? I don't, what was that? I can't remember what kind of spurred on my desire to try it out again and maybe just start small. I think it was my desire to play Necromunda and wanted, I, I was thinking of actually being the one who made my, my little gang. I know it sounds funny, it's like, well, of course it would be. I'm like, no, of course, it's not of course for me because I'm very busy and when we're doing stuff for shows, I often, almost always, get other people to paint it up for me so I can focus on everything else, all the rest of the show. So Necromunda, I think, has kind of gotten me into that kind of mindset. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, I already answered that question. Big Mikey, Matt, looking forward to all the changes to bat reps and the way you guys film everything. Were there any comments or critiques you were surprised about throughout this transition period? No, I regularly keep up on comments. I, I, I can say with some confidence that I read almost every comment that anybody posts. I don't respond to most of them, but I'm constantly scanning through it because I, the, the comments can reveal a lot of things. They're also very misleading and you have to be careful if you're, if you want to get into making YouTube videos and you actually get enough of a following that you get regular comments, you need to like set some boundaries for yourself. Like don't read them when you're at home because they can put you in a bad mood. Because there can be five good comments and one bad one and that it can still set off and, and not make it very happy for you. And especially when it's through such a sensitive time as the transition that we're going through right now. Nobody really surprised me. Um, I got, as what I expected, I expect, I, it's funny because I've come to the point now where I can put up a video and I can almost predict the ratio and type of each comment. Um, the only one I can think that I couldn't really predict was when I put up, when Dave put up our battle report that because I just didn't know what people would think and so you know I don't think I was surprised by anything but it was more just good feedback I'm like okay that's what they think okay that's what they think okay that's what they think but um, yeah there's always going to be detractors there's always going to be negative people and there's always going to be lots of supportive people too and then there's always going to be the other 99.9 percent .9 of your viewers who don't actually comment. 
because guess what? That's about the percentage of people that don't comment. So it's just, it's just not, if you are a regular commenter on YouTube, whether you post good or bad comments, you are unusual. You are actually unusual. The mass, far vast majority of our viewers never comment. Hey, they might like or subscribe, that's way more common. But commenting, you can get 10,000 views on a video and 50, 50 comments, sometimes. And yes, other ones you can get more comments. And then sometimes it's the same person commenting over and over again, which makes the numbers higher. So, so no, I wasn't too surprised by it. I didn't know what to expect. Like, I, I can't predict the future of like how many people are going to support us or, or those kind of things. There's a lot of unknowns, but commenters rarely surprise me now. Okay. <laughs> Steve wants me to give him a shout out. Yeah. Nice try, Steve. If, you're gonna, if you want to become a millionaire, you got to be in your own blood, sweat, and tears. Fine, I'll say it. Snake Root. Have you seen the cool new YouTube channel, Daily Rock, Paper, Scissors? That's all I'm going to say, all right? If I've piqued your curiosity, go look it up. <laughs> and don't blame me if it wastes your time. Dub Rock, any thoughts on a, new show, on a show for new players teaching how to build a list, working with building a cohesive army, and highlighting current meta? That's a great idea. I wish Steve had already told me about that one this afternoon. <laughs> Steve and I were literally talking about that in the past couple hours or this morning, I can't remember. So definitely, uh, I can't tell you when it'll happen, if it'll happen. Catfish, what are your 2020 goals, business and personal? I'm hoping to lose another 20 pounds of weight, gain some muscle mass, I'm serious. Eat healthier, get healthier, go to the gym more. I've started going to the gym over the past couple months. I'm going through a bit of a rough patch right now, wanting to get keep going. It's, it's tough, it's a lot of work, but I wanna be healthy, I'm tired of any parts that are that just that make it harder to film. I want to have as much energy as possible. So that's personal goals. Well, I got a lot of other personal goals too. That I'd like to get more into my piano playing and uh, music stuff. Business goals, yeah, tons. Um, yeah, lots of business goals. Obviously, by everything we're talking about right now, running more events at the bunker. Um, Somehow finding a way to make RPG shows a regular thing because we want it to work so badly because we all love it. Miso Miso, are buying any lenses or lights for the battle reports? The interview shots could do with some depth of field. Expensive though, ask Colin. Oh yeah, we know all about that. We have to be careful. We, we have to, we've already been spending a lot of money. We had to buy new mics. We had to buy new stuff for the store. We had to buy, we're hiring another person. Um... So the, the thing that we could do for the interviews is we're still using camcorders and we can replace that with SLRs because the SLRs will have a lot better chance uh, or they'll definitely be able to get the depth of field we're looking for. Camcorder lenses typically don't have a super small depth of field. And yeah, because they zoom. And you don't want them to. If you were, I, I've had this discussion with other people about what's better to shoot with, camcorders or digital SLRs. And it's like the stupid Apple versus PC or Mac versus PC, which one's better? And it's, the answer is neither. They're both good at different things. Uh, a camcorder is way better for constant motion because it has a larger depth of field. And whereas an SLR, if you're trying to catch video while moving around with an SLR, good luck, have fun. But if you're doing a tripod shot with an SLR, oof, you can get that beautiful crisp or 
not crisp depth of field where you can blur out the background. The only way to achieve that with a camcorder is to have it really, really far away from the subject and zoom in because that zooming in always lowers your depth of field. And uh, that's the only way that you can achieve that. Whereas an SLR can achieve it because their lenses are typically bigger. And so, yeah, they can, they can achieve that. So that's not cheap though. You can easily spend a couple thousand dollars on a good digital SLR. And eventually we might do that. Mirrorless. Mirrorless? You want a mirrorless digital SLR? Oh. SLRs have a mirrorless feature. You couldn't hear it because Colin's not mic'd. But he was nitpicking my wording of what I called it. Nerd! <laughs> no, I know, it's fine. Whatever, you know what I was talking about, okay? <laughs> The digital mirrorless SLRs. I know. Whatever. The SLRs. The ones that allow you to have the proper lens that allow you to get the better depth of field. Or not better. Smaller depth of field. Because smaller is not better. It's just smaller. It's not worse either. It's just smaller. Uh, it's like, what's better? Red or blue? Well, you may subjectively have an idea of which one of those is. But anyways. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, Miso Miso. Definitely thought of that. So we're... We, and this transition, we've got to be careful because there's a lot of expenses in making these changes and we have to make sure not to do too many of them and run out of money because that would suck. Unless everybody's willing to work without pay. In which case, yeah. What do you think, Colin? Come on. You should be doing it for the passion. That's what I've been told. You shouldn't look to make money. You need to do it for the passion. Aren't you passionate about filmmaking, Colin? Work for free, Colin. <laughs> very passionate about my own project. Right, yes. Okay. La Hey Matt, hope you and the gang are doing great. Thank you, Lilla I hope you're doing great too. Sarmex, Matt, is there any games your son prefers? Yeah, we love playing Blitz Bowl. So Blitz Bowl is the board game version of Blood Bowl. And I, when I first got it, I thought it was just going to be a dumbed-down version of Blood Bowl. And you can easily think that it's that, because it, it definitely bastardizes some of the rules from it. But it also adds an element to it, which is this card system, which is really cool, which gives you other objectives to do other than score touchdowns. It also borrows, I don't know if they got this idea from Dreadball, but Dreadball, when you score, you don't reset the board. The ball just gets shot back out, and Blitzful does it as well. So the game is much faster paced. And also easier for him to learn. I still have to keep reminding him to do some of the tactics, but he really likes Blitz Bowl. He loves Dungeons and Dragons. We play every other week. We, um, we have a, a group that he gets to play in, and my daughter does too when she's not too tired. Um, but yeah, he loves Dungeons and Dragons. He loves Blitz Bowl. Like, honestly, he'll play whatever I will play with him. So, yeah, I don't know if he's come, he hasn't had enough experience to come up with what he prefers yet. And for your daughter that likes painting, any paint she prefers to use, any type of thing she likes to make, um, anything, honestly. She, when I talk about painting, she's not, she's not a painter. She loves painting, but she loves crafting. Like she just makes all sorts of cool stuff. And she just watches the, like the, we have the YouTube Kids app on the iPad, and she'll just set that up in her room and just be watching stuff and crafting along with them. And, it's, and she'll pause and she'll do the thing and she'll unpause it. I just love it. I just love it. It's like, that's screen time I can get behind. Um, and she'll come up with the coolest stuff. It's too much stuff. She makes so much stuff. I got to throw it out, so much of it secretly. 
because she makes these neat things. I don't okay. Um, she'll it's hard to explain. Like uh, she'll make a dollhouse out of paper, but it'll be intricate. Like the bed is made out of paper and tape, and then there's a pillow, and then but the pillow will have a pillowcase which is made out of paper as well. And so she can actually like pull out the insert of the pillow, and she'll have a book. Oh no, she'll she'll have like a little laptop that opens and closes, and she can switch out the screens to show the different programs that he's using. And it's like this freaking big, and um, or it's just it's just cool stuff. She's so imaginative. She's so she's, she's very crafty that way. She and she's got the patience to sit at her desk for hours and just work on that kind of stuff. And she likes to color. And when we get out the paint, she loves to paint. All those kind of things too. So definitely very artistic. Um, my son Elijah, he is very musical. He doesn't. I don't. I don't know if he's artistic. He doesn't have the patience for it like Abigail does. But he's an excellent piano player for his age. So he's picked on that that really well. So he's got a good math brain for that kind of stuff. Rista, hey Matt, love your guys' bat reps, but need more you versus Dave. Well, there will be more of me versus Dave. Indefinite Chris. So how do I know if you're Chris? You're kind of indefinite. Do you think the smaller scale skirmish games are a better way to introduce someone to the hobby because it's probably less expensive and less something? You got cut off. I got it, I got it. And less to manage all at once? Um, yes and no. Honestly, variety is the best way to introduce somebody. Um, I wasn't scared away because of the size of Lord of the Rings. It's not a skirmish game. I know it is, but it's not. When you're talking skirmish, you're talking like the 5 to 10, maybe 15 to 20 model kind of games. And Lord of the Rings certainly is not that. Um, yes and no. It's, it's not about the price, I think, that keeps most people out of this. Price is definitely there. But one thing I've learned from years and years of business and sales training is price is rarely the real reason. People might cite price as the reason, but it's rarely the reason they don't buy something. Um, instead, it's, but, but they'll use that as the reason so easily. I'm not going to buy that, it's too expensive. Well, why is it too expensive? I see, I, I, I have a, we have an exit survey when people cancel their vault membership. We sometimes send them a survey saying, why'd you cancel? Give us some feedback. And like, always number one reason that they canceled is it's too expensive. Like, I'm sorry, but five to ten dollars a month is not a lot of money. Even to somebody who doesn't have a lot of money, it's not a lot of money. And so when you're saying it's too expensive, usually what you're always saying is, I don't see the value in this. Because I can guarantee that that person who canceled their five to ten dollar vault membership, that's five to ten dollars a month, has uh, probably fifty to eighty dollars that they pay for their internet. They probably buy Netflix for another ten dollars. They might have three other streaming services. They probably buy food they don't need and things they don't need. Like even, even people who don't have a lot of money, you could probably find all sorts of things that they didn't need to buy. And this is not a criticism towards that. It's more, if we say I can't afford that, unless it's something like a Ferrari where you really can't buy it because of the price, it really comes down to that you don't see the value in it. So miniature wargaming is expensive, but so are every other hobby that's out there. Like, most hobbies are very expensive when you really sit down and add up the cost of it. What this hobby is, it's time intensive. If you really want to get into it, there are tomes of rule books to learn. Even the simplest games, uh, not all the simplest games, 
even a lot of the simplest skirmish games will still have so much rules to learn. There is usually an entire universe of lore that you are not familiar with. This is why, you know, like the licensed games like Star Wars and stuff have an advantage there. Because somebody can walk into it, they see a stormtrooper on the table. Lord of the Rings is what I got into. I walked into, I saw Warhammer, I thought, not for me. I saw Lord of the Rings stuff and I went, definitely for me. Because I love Lord of the Rings. And so that, that so there, there's a lot of things. I, I, could, I could tell you all sorts of good ways to have entry points into this hobby. One of the entry points is licensed stuff. Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, all these different things. An IP that somebody is familiar with and instantly you're transmitting or translating that IP into a different medium. That's a good entryway. It doesn't matter how much money it costs. Space Hulk is a great entry thing because you don't need to know 40K to understand Space Hulk. There are some big Terminators, some big armored dudes, and they're fighting some aliens in a spaceship. Sound familiar? Yeah, of course it does because you've seen it a million times in different movies. And, and so these are, are iconic things. So that's a good entryway. But saying that, oh, they're not going to want to play 40K or Age of Sigmar because they have to buy so many models, so they'll probably want to play another game instead. That's not necessarily the right answer. It might be, but I doubt it's because of the cost. Because if somebody goes into a store and they see Warhammer 40K and they think those are the coolest models ever, but then they see the price tag and say, I'd just go over and play War Machine instead because it's cheaper. They're not going to play War Machine. They'll walk away if they can't afford it. They're not going to choose the lesser game. I'm not saying War Machine's a lesser game. I'm just saying that if they like that one better, they're not going to switch over to another one just simply because it's too expensive. They're going, and, and it also has to do with what is everybody else playing. You're not going to buy a game if nobody else is playing it either. So there's a lot of factors that serve as the entryway. Now the nice thing is uh, Warhammer 40K has things like Kill Team. And Kill Team really is kind of an entryway because you can say, does this look cool? You like the models? Okay, buy one box, paint it up, boom, you can play Kill Team. That's nice. Warcry does not satisfy that for Age of Sigmar quite as well. You can do it, but it focuses more on all the Chaos Warbands, which currently don't get um, factored into the game yet. I'm sure that they will eventually. Same thing with like uh, Underworlds, Warhammer Underworlds. It doesn't really work as a gateway quite as well because it's just not quite the same. Yeah, you can play with those models in it, but yeah, only because they gave you rules, not because they're actually any good. So, so yeah, there, there's more than one kind of gateway to these things. Also, a computer game might be a gateway. People might play Total Warhammer or Total War Warhammer and be like, this is cool. And then they see the miniatures and they're like, hey, look, they made a miniatures game based off the video game. And that's what to they'll totally think. And then they'll be like, I want to play that because it's so much fun on the computer game. Now I get to paint the models and put them on the table. While as others will play the computer game because they're playing it. So there is, there is no one entry point to this thing. Games Workshop has the right idea. Make as many entryways as possible. And don't bother trying to make it cheap. Because it's not. And if you're just trying to... You know what you do if you attract... If you're like, okay, let's make everything cheap. You attract the cheap people who don't want to invest their time and money into this thing. So... That's not, that's not who's going to make Games Workshop a lot of money. So, yes and no. How do you like that answer? Captain Obvious, Matt, does Adeptus Titanicus interest you in any way? Why or why not? Uh, sure, looks cool. Reminds me of Battletech. I know it's nothing like Battletech, except that they're big mechs fighting each other. Um, right now, I'm not interested in it. The only reason is it's not a why not. It's more like a why not not. There's not something about it that's made me be like, ooh, I want to try that out. That, that's really all there is to it. I, there's so much stuff I'm bombarded with. I can't explain to you why certain things don't hit the neurons a certain way. I can only say why certain ones do hit the neurons. I can say, tell you why I'm excited to play Necromunda 
or something else. It's hard to say why I'm less excited to play other things. Mini Wargamer for Life, what do you consider Mini Wargaming's biggest positive and negatives for 2019? Well, moving here I think was a big positive. It also, you know, is a drain on mental resources as well, but it's, a, it's, it's great here. We love it here. Uh, negatives, I think we already outlined that in the video I put out three or four weeks ago. <laughs> you know, having a hard time uh, making ends meet and all that. So that was kind of a, you know, the, kind of coming to the head where we realized and the changes to cost certain things, realizing that we had to make some major changes to our business. So that was hard. Zergal Ergader, hey Matt, you excited for the new Star Wars movie? Um, <laughs> I'm gonna watch it and I will turn off my brain while I do so and I will enjoy aspects of it. Like when I watched The Last Jedi and that ship hyperspace through all those ships, my breath was taken away. Once I thought about it afterwards, it's kind of dumb. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Cool moment. Uh, there's a lot of cool moments in that montage of scenes that don't seem to fit together in any other way than they share the same universe that they're all being shot in. Um, Oh, okay, I'm sorry. The, the new movies are just not that great. Like, they're okay. They're fine. But they're not that great. And so I watch them, and I enjoy them, and I try not to think too hard about them afterwards. Because <laughs> I, I critique movies too easily. Uh, there's a new Disney Plus Mandalorian series. It's okay, too. I'd give it like a 65%. Worth watching, but not... Super exciting, but whatever. Different people are going to have different opinions on that kind of stuff. So do not take offense if I do not like the same things that you like. Okay. Starmax, this mini wargaming still have their collection of heavy gear blitz minis and game. Ah, oh, I don't think so. Yeah, we actually had some heavy gear blitz stuff from years and years and years and years ago. Um, no, I don't think so. I think I would remember because we just moved in the past year and had to organize everything. I think those are long gone. Lord Endus. Or Lord Endus. I think it's Lord Endus. Must be. Will Mini Wargaming ever try and destroy their brains with a 24-hour livestream again? Not likely, but also not impossible. Improbable. Country Gaming. Duh. Sorry if this was asked, but when does the narrative Battletech campaign begin? Nice try. <laughs> Trust me, I'd love to do Battletech, but maybe one day. Thartak, what is your opinion on the new Tyranid rules? I like them, but I have not gotten to play with them. Okay, so you missed the first part of the show where I talked about them. So I'll give you a recap. I love them. Everything about them is cool. Uh, I love the high fleet adaptations that let me now... I, I felt like before I liked the different high fleets, but they were kind of samesy in the sense like, okay, if I'm going to do shooting army, I'll do Kronos. If I'm going to do a close combat army, it's either going to be Kraken or Behemoth. Um, and then I'm just never really going to use the other ones. Um, and that's just what, kind of what it felt like. Whereas the new ones, now I get to hone the army even more. Uh, for example, I just tried a game. I'm not going to tell you how it went. But one of the, you can basically choose two high fleet adaptations, kind of like the chapter tactics stuff. One is all Scything Talons get an extra AP. And so I brought lots of Hormagons and Gene Stealers. 
and they're AP minus one. And I then I also chose the prey tactics, I think it's called, where if you outnumber your opponent when you're fighting, you get another AP. Yeah, Colin's literally editing that right now. And it's cool. It's cool. Combine that with the fact that they have a new stratagem, that if you kill a unit, then you spend one command point, and the unit that killed the unit in close combat gets plus one AP to all their melee weapons for the rest of the game. Sorry about that. <laughs> it was just an update and it distorted everything for some reason. So, And then there's a stratagem that Hormigants can get plus one AP. So you could have minus four AP Hormigants or Scything Talons on a Gene Sealer that are minus three AP. And that's not hard to do. That's cool. Then on the opposite side, there's some really cool monster ones. Like one of them that lets you move and shoot heavy weapons or assault weapons without any penalties if you moved or advanced. There's ones that every, everything on the table, not just monsters, regains one wound at the start of your turn. I use that one in another game. Holy cow, lots of regeneration there. Uh, there's another one that all psychers can reroll one failed psychic test per psychic phase, which pretty much is like everybody gets to reroll psychic. And, and Tyrannus can be super psychic. Lots of zone throbes, blood lords, hive tyrants, turbicons, all these things. You could do. You could be smiting for days. Um, there's one that everybody within three inches of the monsters gets minus one leadership. There's ones where everybody can pile in and, uh, and consolidate six inches. There's ones. There's so many cool tools now. Whereas I felt before it was like, I've only got one or two different high fleets. Now I feel like I have 15, 20 maybe with the combinations that I'm going to go for. That's neat. I love the fact that they let you do adaptive physiology, which is instead of the warlord taking a warlord trait, you get to buff a unit. And there's a list of infantry buffs and a list of monster buffs. And there's some really good ones in there. One of the infantry buffs is this infantry unit can heroically intervene as if it were a character. Six inches. Six frickin' Inches, okay? All right, so picture this. A big unit of gene stealers is five inches away from your guys at the end of your charge phase. Guess what they get to do? They get to move in. Oh, by the way, there's a high fleet adaptation that one of them is, if you charge, are charged, or heroically intervene, you get plus one to your hit rolls. Don't need a broodlord near them anymore. All of a sudden, they're hitting on twos. Oh, by the way, that same one is awesome for Carnifexes with Crushing Claws. They charge on in. Normally, they'd be hitting on Fours, now they can hit on threes with their crushing claws. Get old one eye nearby, they're hitting on twos. If you or they can just have double side intel and current effects is charging on and hitting on threes, no twos on the charge, because they already get their living battery around plus one and they're re-rolling ones. And holy frickin' cow. It's just there's some really cool stuff in there. Bio artifacts, I got one that lets you get plus one to your psychic test and get to cast another psychic power. Another one that replaces adrenal glands and lets them charge 3d6, taking the highest two. Another one that lets you get your maximum number of shots for heavy venom cannons and stranglethorns. These are, and then never mind all the new psychic powers or the new stratagems. A stratagem that lets a, any monster reroll all hit rolls, because a lot of the monsters hit on fours, and so they it's harder to use them. Or that um, oh, there's just so many good ones. Yeah, there's the plus one AP for hormigants. There's um, yeah, there's, or the Lictors have one that if they, when they show up or if they're in terrain, then they can charge and they can't be overwatched. And yeah, it's just, it's just so cool. I love it. I love all that new stuff. It's, it's made me want to play more Tyranids. Captain Obvious, Matt, has anyone taken the lead on the new Sisters of Battle or will they fall on the wayside? Um, they won't fall on the wayside, but not one person in particular is taking the lead on them. Wife of a Wargamer. What do you want for Christmas? 
Uh, who could this be? Wife of a wargamer. What do I want? I want a free babysitter. I want a day at the spa. I want a 12-hour session of Dungeons and Dragons with free babysitter right after I go to the spa. I figured out my perfect vacation, by the way. Okay? I want to go somewhere that will pamper me while I play D&D. <laughs> like, I do a four-hour session, then I go get a massage. Then I eat some yummy food. Then I do another four-hour session. Unless I'm tired, then I take a nap. Then I play another four-hour session. Then, you know, that's it. That's what I want to do for five days or six days. It's just that. Oh, and I'm, I'm the dungeon master for the whole thing, too, because I like being a dungeon master for it. That's, that's what I want for Christmas. There you go, Holly. That's what I want for Christmas. Yes, that is my wife, and she is awesome. Wodine, are you planning on resuming your Wargaming Game Master podcast? Not for the foreseeable future. Just don't have the mental capacity to continue that right now in the middle of all our other changes. So, not right now. Okay, I think I'm out of questions, which is good timing because it is 3 o'clock, and Colin has a lot of work to get done. Right, Colin? Yep. And, well, computer hard drive ran out of space for, for recording, so. Oh, really? Is that why I just turned off? Yeah. Okay. The stream hasn't stopped, but the recording has. Yeah. I'm going to close the queue, but I'm going to be on the chat. Just we'll chat for another minute or two. Heck. <laughs> Tartak, good luck living up to that, Holly. Ha ha ha. Well, I don't want her to be the free babysitter. I want her to come with me to the spa or come with me to play D&D. She plays D&D with us. That's so much fun. <laughs> Who, me? I'm just asking for a friend. Okay. Well, thank you for joining me today. Everybody in the chat, everybody who's watching this afterwards. Uh, don't forget that we won't be doing the sit and talk next week, but the next person should be Josh. That's the plan. So you can leave questions for him when this gets posted. It's not going to be posted on our main YouTube channel anymore. We have an MWG Vlogs channel, and we're going to be posting sit and talks there, mainly because as we transition to this new style, we want to make sure that our channel is just full of high production shows. And while this is a good show and all, it's not a high production show. So we're going to put that on a separate one. But it'll also be on our site, too. So if you follow our site regularly, you'll see it there. Um, hold on. One last question here. <clears throat> Country Gaming. Do you feel there would be value in GW Emerging Kill Team and Necromunda? No. They're two very different games. Very different games. So I don't think that's necessary. So thank you so much for joining me today. I will see you in the new year. And Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and Happy Wargaming.